Welcome to The Razor's Edge, an investing podcast. My name is Daniel Schwartzman, and I'm one of your hosts, along with Akram's Razor. The Razor's Edge covers the stock market and related topics, including deep dive interviews with guests, free-flowing conversations about investing themes that we are interested in, and more. We're bringing over 30 years of combined experience in markets, including Akram's extensive professional investing career and my decade-plus in financial media. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter or threads. Check out Akram's newsletter, The Razor's Edge, at the-razors-edge.ghost.io. Check out my RIA website at middlecoastinvesting.com. The views and ideas discussed on this podcast are our own or our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. We may and usually do discuss stocks that we hold in our portfolios, long or short, on a given episode. We won't disclose those positions individually, and whatever you hear here, you should do your own research or speak with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Akram, how's it going? Good, good, good. Long time. It's been, I just checked, it's been half a year at least. So, uh, really? Has it been six months? When was the last time we did one? I think June. I think we did the last one we have on the feed is we've only done a couple this year. So, we still had, we have only done two podcasts. We still had, a, I think, something like 20 people in our Spotify rap to listen to us the most. So, thank you to those 20 diehards for <laughs> not listening to other podcasts, basically. That's it. That's what we're down to. Well, we, we, we'll see. We'll see how many people listen to this. I think it'll be better than that, but they're also, most people listen to more than just us, which is fair enough. Since we left off, the market has had and it triumphant 2023. I don't think you can give it any other terms in terms of performance. It's, uh, going to be over 20% the S&P 500, probably over 40% in the NASDAQ. And even small caps have been on a tear the last few weeks. Good macro news, probably across the board. The soft landing seems to be in sight. GDP is still going up. Job growth is slowing, but still happening. The Fed has said, yes, we're actually thinking about rate cuts next year and inflation is coming down. And so I've been trying to think, well, maybe there's a reason for all of this. Maybe it's okay. Like maybe the market is not stupid to be so bullish on things. And it doesn't feel to me, this feels less crazy to me than two years ago. It feels like, yeah, crypt, Bitcoin's back up, but crypto doesn't, doesn't have the same nuttiness around it. SPACs are gone. Like in general, it seems more sane. And yet it's still since the bottom of a lot of things at the end of October, it's still been kind of a straight line up, which makes me uncomfortable and makes it hard to buy things and makes it hard to manage your portfolio. What's your how what's your take? Like how real do you think all of this is? How legitimate is this move? What what what's your sense of where we are as we're wrapping up? 2023? Um, good question. I don't, it's hard to say, I guess. I mean, obviously, the economy has done better. That obviously, components of it have slowed down substantially, right? You know, everything tied to housing, uh, commercial real estate obviously looks like a looming problem still. And then, I mean, if you kind of look at the way risk has gone, it's been violent. I mean, I guess if we did our last podcast in June, you basically had kind of like that short squeeze market, you know, that like I'd say really peaked at like maximum short squeeze in July. Some of it extended into like, let's call it mid-August. Actually, I remember exactly when it was. It was Alibaba's earnings that was essentially like the end of it because big cap tech started to fall. And then everything was pretty much bad. I mean, to the point it was, I mean, obviously for the mega cap techs, they had such a huge start to the year uh, coming out of where they were at the end of 2022. 
but everything else had kind of been, you know, roller coastery, I'd say. And then things started to get really bad. I mean, you know, September and October were, were, if you looked at the performance differential, once you, and everyone's seen those charts and everything else, but I mean, I was remembering, I was looking at the S&P 500 components and I was like, damn, like 65% of these things are down. We had that GLP-1 craze, like the, everybody who's going to be screwed because of it. That lasted too, you know, that came into like med tech and consumer, consumer staples. Mm-hmm. Software has been violent. Like if you weren't like the mega cap software, October 31, 31, it wasn't looking very good for you. There was a lot of names that were still making 52 week lows. DocuSign is an example. I mean, there were some names that had, you know, found some footing and some, let's just call it AI narrative. And the consumption stuff had really kind of started to diverge. But there were a lot of names that were still way down. CPAS, UCAS obviously was still horrible. And then like everything's gone together, right? Like IGV is up like, I don't know, 30% in 30 days. It's like less than five, 6% off its COVID high. Um, Costco goes up every day. You know, Lululemon goes up every day. Uh, Amazon goes up every day. Boeing goes up every day. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, it's definitely been a, a combination of like, or you can't even really call it a short squeeze because it's been like a broad reflate, really. Yeah, I think reflate. Is- and, and, and like you essentially started to go sideways. But it was like the first week of the rally was mega cap tech. And they moved pretty violently, pretty quickly. And then like, since then it's been everything else. And mega cap tech is like, you know, like Nvidia had been doing not much up until like the last few days, Microsoft, not much. Amazon had been kind of bouncing around from like essentially levels it got to on its last earnings. And then these things have all, I mean, what's the word, the phrase is broken out. And then there's just been the insane moves in like things like Elastic and DocuSign. You know, the takeover, Alteryx, a lot of stuff in software, like names that went down 40% and then, you know, recovered most, if not all of it really quickly. Like, but what to attribute it to? Uh, I mean, I was looking at it, it was like, I think there's like 80 software names that are up over 20% year to date. And there's got like over 50 that are up like 50% plus. So it's like, it's been a, it's been a kind of a crazy year. If you consider like at the same time, like how much bad news has been coming out of these companies throughout the year. And that kind of gets you back to like the setup at the end of 2022. And for the most part, how 2023 played out. I mean, I guess a lot of people want to attribute what's happened recently to rates. I mean, the biggest beneficiaries right after the Fed meeting, I mean, like, it's been stuff like buying, like just look at restoration hardware, like earnings it drops, and it's making a new high a week later. So like you, you had a lot of that going on. The financials, obviously, SaaS is just like you go from one to the next to the next. You know, a few weeks ago, everyone's wouldn't touch Okta, and now it's like you know, this thing has to be at least ninety dollars in this tape, and that's been kind of, I guess, the theme. The the financials are the one that's interesting to me because we probably touched on this the last time, even though it was a little after the regional bank scare in March. But financials forever, and I think you have you've been around longer in the market and to have a better understanding of the the way interest rates. But the the old saw throughout the two thousand tens was. Once interest rates rise, banks, that's going to be a benefit for them. And I think it was still largely the mindset through even 2022. And then you get, you get to the end of 2022, you get the murmurings about Silicon Valley Bank, you get the hold to maturity problem, and all of a sudden banks are getting caught off sides and we have all that move. And now all of a sudden we're reversing the conventional wisdom. Now it's, oh, cutting rates will be benefit the banks. It'll lessen pressure on their deposit 
side. And it's just an interesting. I, not... I mean, we've seen two sides of that, right? This year. Like with the regional banks and like jumbo loans and hot money that came into COVID. You got the people who've been like so macro bullish. They're like, the U.S. consumer is in the best shape ever because he's locked in mortgages at zero for the next hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, who's on the other side of that trade, right? <laughs> and you got these like, you know, real estate investors talking about the returns they've earned over the last five years, you know, relying on a lot of leverage who are all sweating bullets uh, regarding upcoming refinancings. Right. Yeah. You know, it's where like where, where these returns go from exceptional to, to horrible, you know, in two years. And that's going back to software. Like there's a lot of those sort of tech software names who were smart to raise really cheap convertible debt during 2020, 2021. Twilio. Twilio. Dropbox did it. I, I a new name that I invested in sort of related Eventbrite did it. Like there's a lot of I mean they all did. P- Pager Duty, I think, raised some cheap convertible debt. Like everybody did, and it was smart, but that that is like I guess the point, and we talk about this a lot, but just under all of this, there's the year to me does seem really thematic. Like you're saying, there's GLP one, there's AI, there's all these things where it's just play a theme, play a theme, play a theme. And I think all of this demands a little bit more individual micro company level analysis and understanding so that you don't just say, oh, interest rates go up good for banks or the reverse. And to actually start drilling in, when everything moves up like this, though, it does make it hard. I mean, every... And for some of them are for substantive real reasons, but a lot of it is just like all, we have an all clear signal again to some degree. And yeah. I, I think we're. I mean, it's so hard because it happens so fast. So, like, exactly. you know, like you want to do, I like, I feel like I need a Razor co pilot at this point. You know, give me the AI that does that for me. Yeah. And I trained it on my data. <laughs> Well, it's I, just... I need I need that cookie clone from uh, uh, Black Mirror, with that that John Hamm uh, trains, <laughs> so I can yeah. break myself down. You will just review ten cues from now to the end of time. Yeah, where where is AI in that? I'm sure I don't know if you. I'm sure it's around the things where just people, all the companies are just using ChatGPT plugins directly as their chat bot and so people are fighting yeah there's some great ones now you can like upload documents and ask like you know did these risk factors change or you know what is the razor's short thesis key points <laughs> it's mm. pretty fucking impressive yeah but you can even do that on you can just go straight to like your local town's car dealership they'll have that bot and you could just ask them that and it'll still give you know it's still basically the same open ai access just in a different package um do where what are your maybe on ai has been such a big theme and i think we're seeing you did you published recently a really strong thesis on elastic that played out you know you called it very well and huge pop on earnings we're seeing clearly enterprise uses for ai and so far, I think the winners in the stock market have been the, the suppliers to AI, semiconductors with NVIDIA being the most obvious, but the semiconductor sector as a whole has had a huge year. And then Microsoft, I think, of the major techs, but then some of those other hyperscalers are perceived as winners because they have an offering. Yeah, computer, but what, Compute infrastructure. At some point, it has to come down to business use cases for the end user, whether it's enterprise, whether it's the consumer in some way, user facing stuff. But what's your what are you what's your take as far as how much yeah, of that really is getting into the real world? Well, I mean, you know, GitHub Copilot, what they're doing in Office. You've seen like you know Salesforce talk about what they're doing, but it really does feel like a plugin. I would say the area I guess it's been most interesting was talking to a a UX guy at IBM and just about how he uses it now. 
And of course, Adobe Figma were in the news, but right. you know how they use Firefly. And I was talking to someone on the creative side, just about like video production mm-hmm. and where the cost of producing an ad is heading. So you can like think about how that will impact, like it's almost heading to zero, basically. With some of these, I mean, like you can basically make a commercial and then sell it for like $1,500 that like brands were spending 300K on. Yeah. So, but you had a very good video production business. Uh, I, it's not looking good for you because you've got like a lot of small competitors now who can do the quality of your work or pennies on the dollar or close enough to the quality of your work. So is that a question? Yeah. Does that leave anything for the, like the providers of that though? Because it's, it's it's, when you say that it makes me think a little bit of what happened in the streaming war where basically everybody. Well, what's valuable, obviously real estate or ad space, physical, digital. Um, And I guess they continue to win. there is an argument like you can, you know, what comes out on the cost. I like if you're a global brand, obviously there's an element here, which is going to reduce uh, your advertising spend. So uh, like, I don't know where it's headed, but like, I think you'll start to hear more about that over time. So profitability for them, uh, that's obviously not going to be good for ad execs. And everybody, let's call it the humans who make the money off of this, right? Like, I mean, the big cause for these big agencies is, you know, human salaries. So, like, I guess there it'll be like, what comes down faster? Like, what they pay the talent or what they're essentially, you know, the cost plus type of thing that they're passing on to their clients. The digital replica stuff should be interesting. I don't know who is going to be winning there but i mean you're probably going to be able to use celebrities for a lot more which is going to be dilutive to i guess maybe influencers yeah so i mean those are kind of random things to think about yeah it'll be interesting just to see how much of this i hear that and hear a lot of costs coming out more than which is important that is obviously that's one key business use case or you know use case right it's either you're saving people money or you're making the money or you're offering them something they want to pay for. Those are kind of the... Yeah, there's others like, you know, like the, the Elastic thesis really turned on like enterprise search and, you know, like, I mean, if you did the work, you basically found out that, you know, as OpenAI came out with ChatGPT, you know, a lot of companies thought that, okay, this is it, you know, it's done, open, I just have, we'll get OpenAI and like reduce their spending somewhat they kind of paused investments around things related to this and then they quickly realized that no it's not going to work that way and like you know they're going to need to take their own data and essentially kind of customize it to whatever models that they're using and that that's going to take up their their spend significantly you know 50 150 percent on on a one-off basis to get started for you know some examples that i came across but is that for people who haven't read it? And as a reminder for me, that because are these like that? Because that's the other interesting thing is are these scale up costs? And then once you have that training done, the search kind of rolls. Well, it, no, it continues, right? The data always okay. grows. So right. I mean, like right. in Elastic's case, you're being you're being built, you know, on memory consumption. So it's just compute, right? Yeah, so that's 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 a just stepping back like an encouraging for all this energy spent on spent on the area to see that there are those sorts of end uses and these actual impacts that the market because the market is tends to be anticipatory and I think we always said that AI like was was material and what it wasn't just hype but it, it's good to see these sorts of use cases. Emerging. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when you think about how NVIDIA traded in that September, October window of metaverse and how NVIDIA's business was faring in that window 
And then you look at how it's traded recently, because I mean, it pretty much went up like 70% in a month then. But if you look at this run and, you know, what the data center business has done, you kind of like, you can't, you can't argue with it, right? I mean, I, I would have told you in October last year that like, there's a good chance data center has zero growth by Q4 after you got past like Meta and Microsoft's upgrades, uh, like kind of delayed bottlenecks around networking that, you know, still had really good pent up demand for the data center biz on the first half of 2023, because like you knew gaming was going to suck, right? Like we knew, we knew what was happening with crypto and gaming. It was just like, all right, like what's the path that data center is going to see in, in 2023. And like, I mean that, I mean, the business tripled. Right. Yeah, I, and that's that's sort of that's like a good way because I'm I pulled up their three year chart to see that the metaverse hype is September to November of 2021. I mean, it, Nvidia it's interesting because they've kind of been in the locust in some ways of first the crypto bubble in 2017 18 that you did your short thesis around, then you have that metaverse. Yeah, move. I like I still have people who are like, hey, by the way, hope you're still not short Nvidia. <laughs> Right, a little bit. Even though, if, even though I triangulated and said, "Hey, like the data center part is, you know, the interesting piece," but like it's such a small part of the business right now. And of course, I even went, you know, you and I did a podcast at the end of nineteen where I was like, "Hey, these startups ain't happening. Forget right. about like there were every sell side analyst was like, gaming inventory, you know, first quarter of twenty twenty is going to take a little bit longer." I'm like, who cares? Nobody, t- no, nobody, no, nobody calls me up and says that. Not like I benefited from it, you know. Like I ended up selling Nvidia early in 2020. I mean, it, it did did well, but you, I would have never imagined what, what was going to transpire, right. let alone what transpired recently. But yeah, I mean, I got the fundamentals right, Daniel. Mm-hmm. But that's what I did. So you should be focused on the fact that they now have for the immediate term and unassailable mode in data center in data center gpu ai i mean of course our focus then was more machine learning uh the vision based stuff but then like you know how they were expanding rapidly and inferencing this has really been about the training intensity of llms right well well, yeah and so maybe like with semiconductors where they have where it's been just you know, and the excitement has spread, even though what what's interesting about semiconductors is. Yeah, I'm really long micron. I'm hoping for a good, good print this week. I was about to say that memory, as far as I understand, is still people are still looking at like back half of 24 as when memory and DRAM really starts to pick up. Like the, the industry in theory is in a down cycle for the more not classic stuff because the mature processes have done really well that's with all that like electronification in the cars and and internet of things i guess if you want to put it that way it seems like they're spending around that but then the dram cycle is slow but then the ai cycle and the hyperscale and all that stuff has really put semiconductors in an interesting place it is again this is where you know not to keep drawing 2023 versus 2021 but socks right now is over i believe it's 2021 high and has had is probably up yeah i mean there's been 50 percent like multiple components of it right like the obviously there's the clear winner anything tied to nvidia you know your networking play i mean your aristas your nvidia's your NVIDIA's, there's just NVIDIA. But, <laughs> right. uh, but slowly it broadened, right? Like we saw like, I mean, it was probably like four months ago. Uh, I think it was when Intel took things up that, you know, the notebook, the notebook market improved. Same thing with gaming. You're now seeing kind of like better stuff on the smartphone side. I mean, let's like the, the DRAM space is like effectively had like the worst, you know, fundamental you wouldn't know it by looking at Micron's share price the last eight months or anybody else, but the other two are in Korea. But it's like the worst since 2001, 
right? <laughs> like, right. You know, as as far as the pricing dynamic and uh, you know how that's hit the business, but the market has said we don't care because whether it's automotive, you know, robotics down the road, uh, and of course, data center in terms of uh, memory intensity and the need for this really expensive HBM memory. Uh, the market is looking ahead to us, you know, for these essentially these oligopolies to make money in the next two years. Well, a, a name you didn't mention that's, that I spend a little time on because I now own it through the VMware deal is Broadcom. They've doubled this year. Okay. And I was, as I was, I mean, Broadcom is an amazing business. You know, they've done so well. You know, that was like my favorite chip name uh, for, uh, for MA. I argued. V, like I was so gonzo long that thing when the consolidation wave started. Because you thought they 15, would. 15, 16. And Broadcom is just, you know, they're a beast. Uh, he's obviously done a very good job. He's, he's obviously diversified the business too. I mean, I think a lot of people are excited more about the, the semi side these days than what he's managed to do with the software side. But. Yeah, it's taken off recently. A lot of names have taken off recently that had kind of lagged. I mean, look, I bought Qualcomm. Uh, I bought Qualcomm right when, like, NVIDIA went, you know, uh, supernova. Mm -hmm. And it was like, why are you buying Qualcomm here? And just like, it's too freaking cheap. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and, like, it is definitely exposed to a lot of these structural themes <laughs> going forward. And, yeah, you know. It's like up thirty percent since then. It's another one though where I mean, it what was there's, up pe there's people I mean, there's people who have been posting you know how Intel has outperformed Nvidia recently, right? I mean, again, it's so subjective to pick your starting point, mm -hmm. but I mean, Nvidia's obvious outperformance was the first half of the year <laughs> when it was unclear yet. I mean, if you talk to people in February about what they thought they would be ordering GPU-wise at hyperscale, and then you came back to them in the middle of May, it was an orders of magnitude change, right? Now, the market did start discounting it, and the market really got it right. Do you, and, you know, with, within months, the orders followed, like, exponentially. Do you... Where do you so semiconductors and Broadcom was interesting for me in researching it to understand how it became a consolidator, sort of diversified within semiconductors and then in software and kind of steamrolled the cyclical nature of of semiconductors historically. Where like with that is semiconductor as an industry so far reaching now? with chips in so many different areas that the, the traditional cyclicality has kind of, it's obviously still there to some degree, but it seems like it's, I don't know, like, what do you make of that? It used to be. I mean, it's very hard to say it's not there because you just went through a ridiculous amount of cyclicality, right? <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty, pretty epic bust. It's that the stock prices uh, shrugged them off in let's call it a COVID hangover fashion, hmm. right? Just basically saying that like these parts of the chain, you know, got really rocked, but there's these new, uh, you know, markets that are just going to eat up semis from a content basis for the next decade, right? And that basically changed where the floor was in these names, right? You know, like the floor to the fundamentals and to like the prints of like, oh, this company negative gross margins. Look at this. So when I look at demand. And now it's, you know, it's widened. And of course, all the stuff around China and semi cap space has been yeah. a big deal there. But I don't like, I look, anytime you have a bull market commodity wise, you will have investment in capacity and then there will eventually be overcapacity, right? So the industry will experience uh, cyclicality again. But, and I would say the next time it experiences it, it'll be much more correlated with share price performance. Mm. Like you won't have, you know, basically these memory names shrugging these things off one after the other. And there's, there's the China factor, right? They catch up. They will bring 
supply. You can, the one thing you can bet your bottom dollar on, you know, if they close the gap, the discipline that's trying to be, you know, exacted, you know, by kind of like the, the current capacity constraints. Basically all the consolidation and. Yeah. I mean, you read every day about this $10 billion facility and they're going to build this here. They're going to build that there for security and, you know, independence and supply chain resiliency and subsidies from the government. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. You Like there will always be cyclicality. It's just, I think at this point in time, I think one has to appreciate why uh, everyone's kind of looking ahead. What and it's you- been a very like NVIDIA only eats. And now like you're starting to see who else eats and people are starting to look at that. And I mean, you've seen it in AMD just recently. Like, I mean, look, if AMD only gets $2 billion worth of orders on the 300, it's probably the share price is probably going to pull back. Of course, like, that's not really going to be the story because it's going to be what is the demand going to look like for the MI three hundred, MI four hundred. Because talking to these people, you know, the initial take was they're basically using the MI three hundred as a test run, right? They may may do some deployments, but their goal is to be able to really ramp up orders with AMD by the time the MI four hundred comes out to diversify away from Nvidia, right? So. Now you saw, I think it was like Meta and Microsoft talked that like they were going to order like a decent amount of the MI300, which I think was a change from the official position in July. And by the way, the stock did nothing that day. And then it went up 20% the next two days. This <laughs> is just like, because you're like, huh, that's a change. And it's like these incremental little changes here and there. Of course, Micron, now you're coming up on the qualification for HBM3E with NVIDIA. You know, like Micron's been a distant third in data center behind SK Hynix and, and Samsung. So the question will be, you know, how big are the orders going to be, right? I mean, it's an American company. The other two are Korean. They have gotten a bit of, a, of an edge here. They're really excited about it. I imagine that's going to be a big talk. Where, you know, volume production begins now, right? So their next quarter's guidance is going to incorporate some element of them coming into a market where they have a single digit share against the their two korean foes could there be a big shift there if there is like that stock price is going to change drastically right i mean i think the consensus let's say the base case is Hynix is still going to get the bulk of the orders but any variation from that would be hugely positive for micron so that's the type of things, you know, you're kind of looking at. I mean, I would expect software to be much more muted next year. I have been wondering, like, well, how do you value Amazon, Google, Apple against each other? Uh, I was just noticing Amazon now, is, which I've been long for a while now, it seems, <laughs> mm-hmm. has, uh, has gotten to the essentially same enterprise value as Google. You know, I see the debate on the internet. You know, Gerstner's always talking about Google will never have it as good as it's had it. And then a lot of people are actually really positive on Google. And then, of course, Google is doing so many different things. And you think about TV and YouTube. And, and then you think about advertising real estate, right? And generative AI. And you're like, maybe I should just own this. <laughs> At this valuation right now, maybe there are a few things that are easier. Where do you, you mentioned we came back to software there again, and we had talked about a couple other stories that have been popping around. Maybe it's like a last topic is just, we talked for so long about the COVID spike, COVID hangover, the sort of fast moving dynamics of that environment, of the spending going all in one direction and then all in the other and all the, and then the market's attention all one direction one and then the other do you think we're at a more 
you you talked about and I, I don't think you're in it anymore, but you got you traded on DocuSign after its slightest earnings. And again, that seemed to work pretty well. Um do you think we're at a stage where you can start to look at like do you feel like we're out of this rapid fluctuation period the covid hangover the rebound oh i would 100 percent expect 2024 to be less volatile in software i mean yeah. to an extent 2023 wasn't surprising if you think about it right i mean like 2022 was kind of like the first half of it was characterized by the people that doubted shorting these things and you know your margin for error was so high at the valuations that we're at right like you don't have anyone today who thinks Twilio is going back to a hundred billion. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, end of 2022, start of 2023, the theme was, you know, extrapolating uh, uh, investment opportunities based on really uh, cost cutting. Right. Right. So it was like, you were shorting kind of everything on revenue deceleration and sales multiple contraction. And then you started looking at names worth buying on, you know, actual uh, uh, margin expansion and, and profitability. I mean, look, Toyo's cut 40% of their staff in a year. <laughs> you know, it's not, not chump change. I mean, a lot of these software companies still have a lot of costs that can take it out. I think what's been interesting throughout the year is the the ones that came into COVID, uh, sorry, that came into 2023 with, you know, let's call it, you know, structural profitability, like, you know, Zoom and Docu and whatever. Um, uh, really strong cash flow margins. They, they just continued to experience, you know, multiple contraction uh, on the fact that, like, they've gone to zero revenue growth, really, right? And the, I guess there's like that window where it's like, who's going to own your name? Because everyone who's owned software for so long really has just been about growth, right? So you're like kind of like, you know, screaming into an empty auditorium when you're talking value in a lot of these names. Although I think that has started to shift some. Uh, and it's like, oh, well, you know, this what percentage of this is, is SBC. And it's like, well, I mean, it's still free cash flow. So you adjust for the dilution, right? <laughs> um, I mean, that effectively speaking is the business model. I mean, some people view it as the, the Ponzi of SaaS, right? But, mm, you know, I mean, Docu just recently was like what it was like a 15 percent free cash flow yield uh i think you have to kind of look at something like that and and be like well i'm not sitting around here debating when it returns to hyper growth right and a lot of money was made in microsoft uh you know with like a 10 percent revenue cagger right you know, based on the entry costs, you know, I went through this on a prop book and I got a lot of shit for it. And we've talked about it before. And I mean, obviously like these things, by the way, unless you get the timing perfectly are, are not really good for a prop book. But if you just think about how they played out, right. Uh, I mean, yeah, like at the end of the cycle, you got some significant multiple expansion, but really, you know, a lot of the returns were just delivered by uh, the profitability growth caggering at scale for such a long time. And I don't really know, like, what happens with the Zooms and Docus and end demand, but I mean, they have huge customer bases. Right. I mean, I just got my Zoom bill, uh, 8% price increase. I'm barely using it. I renewed. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's still like so cheap relatively in, in the whole types of list of expenses that you have that you're like, all right, you know, 
it's going from like 139 to 154 or whatever it is. Are you going to complain? No, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and there's still... What is the moat? Like, Zoom is the most, is maybe the most interesting. I'm just, I have a little table comparing Zoom to DocuSign, Twilio, and then PagerDuty, just because we talked about it a bunch. And then the two most boring SaaS companies, Dropbox and Box. And really, unless the old, like the, the main thing keeping Zoom back on a valuation basis. I think they're the slowest grower out of that group right now. And they're, you know, you already talked about the share based comp, but we're, t- we're still recording this on Zoom. I still think it's, you see Teams quite a bit. I haven't seen any Google Meet in a while, but I'm not on quite as many calls right now. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And obviously, We've brought up DocuSign a couple of times. There's the reporting that they're considering a sale or private equity or otherwise. You mentioned Adobe and Figma fell apart as it seemed that they weren't going to get approval. It's an interesting... It, that, worked out, that worked out nicely for Figma, a billion dollars. That's like four times what they've raised. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good. It's not a twenty billion dollar payout, but yeah, it's you'll, not. You'll, you'll 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 soon you'll soon hear people talking about they, they should do a direct listing. Yeah, yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah. Fucking don't need any primary capital. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's well, it's it's interesting actually. And this is, as I say it, I'm thinking back all the way to Once Upon a Time in Tech, your piece back in nineteen, I think. Are we going to see that long-awaited consolidation start to come in, or are we just going to see companies kind of fizzle in their little lane? Like, does Zoom at twenty-one billion in market cap, fifteen? I mean, I don't think Zoom sells to anybody, right? So, like, yeah. I think Zoom probably is a consolidator. I mean, right. it'll be interesting to see if the management team really knows what they want to do there. Uh, I think there's a lot of questions about the contact center space and, you know, how that evolves, you know, particularly with the, with the AI element coming right. into play. I don't think anyone's extra excited about communications, but communications is a utility for humans. You know, like, so, I mean, I do think as long as there are humans who have to have uh, knowledge worker jobs, they're fine. I mean, you know, the opposite of this is that, you know, the arc thesis of them 10xing revenue i mean you know it was as ridiculous as you know pointed out look yeah yeah right i mean and to put that out like a year after uh the business i mean like zoom's been one of these businesses that when you just look at it like you know it never misses really there hasn't been like a quarter where it's like oh my god look at how it like had a really soft landing, you know, mm-hmm. from like hyper growth, just all like it's been like steered back down. Uh, they had like it wasn't a management team that like got guidance ridiculously wrong, or you know, like one day just hit you with this ridiculous shocker. And, and by the way, like on the way down, parts of that you know have made it you know at, at times painful because it's like why does this thing keep going lower? you know, for people because there's no real big surprise, right? It's not like you wake up one day and you're like, oh, Farfetch is bankrupt. <laughs> right. Like this thing was 30 billion. What happened? Or like, I don't think anyone's like arguing about Peloton or, or these names. I mean, there are a lot of people who like, by the way, I mean, the most common criticism on these names is the, is the criticism. And I've been a person who has leveled that criticism in the past of your feature on a platform right mm-hmm. and where did i level it the most uh historically was uh was uh dropbox right it's actually so like it's not even like me taking credit so many people did right i mean that's the original Lots of things. that's yeah. steve jobs it, right steve jobs uh multiple people over the years like there's been like don't make the mistake of dropbox which is like the case of slack when it was ipo you know right like 
and the Slack guys, investors were talking about how it's not the drop, the next Dropbox, and it's going to be this whatever. And you know, there is boring old Dropbox sitting there, right? Yeah. Uh, I still have shit in there, and I'm paying them. And you like wonder why. And I mean, I think that like if that's an outcome for DocuSign, like it's going to do it on a much grander scale because I think it's still pretty clear that they have growth. Yeah, and, and like their growth is le- their growth is levered to vertical. So like it's one of these ones. If like the housing market for whatever reason, you know, Jay Powell uh, decides to lose his 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 head and uh, bring us back down to zero, uh, I think you can bet your bottom dollar they're going to see business pick up. DocuSign. Yeah. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Real estate yeah. transactions, it turns out, is a big deal for them. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, and it's interesting, just started a new business and deciding whether now that I need signatures, hopefully regularly, it's a simple add on and Dropbox is, you know, I, I would have to pay more, but Dropbox has that product or DocuSign's integrated yeah, into Charles fine. Schwab. So it'll be interesting. I, like I, I may end up. Yeah. The thing both. with the thing with them is trade downs, right? Like, because they were so premiumly priced and like they do have to like it's not i i don't think it's zoom where it raises eight percent and nobody cares right i think i think docuscience in that kind of position where it's rich and there's like a bunch of others so like like that's still that's still kind of a headwind for them and i think that's like one thing that this quarter compared to the last three on the the 300k plus customers growing again was one thing that people were really happy about i mean look i thought that call was actually a great call in general right like you know they talked about rebounds and some verticals and everything else within the broader context of what's going on with this company versus i think the market in the last two quarters you know it would like pop like i mean it was beating the billings target you know the billings guide by like 10 percent, right so like you were just like come on we can't really take your guidance seriously because there's clearly nothing fundamentally going on that is surprising you that positively, right? Mm-hmm. So they were obviously sandbagging the guide and like they were side sandbagging it kind of notably because they did expect it to decelerate somewhat more substantially, you know, into the end of the year uh, from a comp standpoint. And, you know, they kind of like, they've managed that process, but like you finally got some things on consumption and, you know, let's call them uh key KPIs uh, that showed uh, improvement for the first time in a while. And they do have a ton of customers too. I mean, like. Well, it's, it goes back to when we, when you flipped on PD and uh, you know, with PD, it's the fire, fire alarm. You're going to replace your fire alarm with this. It's, you know, if you're a Charles Schwab and you have it integrated into your system and you've got more than enough headaches going on integrating, still integrating TD Ameritrade and so on, like, are you going to really switch from the best in class e-signature platform or are you going to? And so, you know, it's the same. Yeah. I mean, I think most of these guys, like they all have kind of the same problem. I don't think it's retention of the top tier enterprise clients. I mean, in page this case, you've also seen that, right? It's attrition. It's reduced spend based on seats or, you know, volume nature. And then it's like the long tail no, contracting. Right. Yeah. Which is where maybe that's where the economy, where we started with all that talk, like maybe. Yeah. That's... And the, the whole digital infatuation theme. I mean, there's no denying that like the pull forward on digital penetration, thanks to the pandemic was ridiculous. So like the people who were just like, I mean, like just do the CAGR of what Zoom would have been able to do to get to here. Like it would have been still doing like 30%. You know? Right. What was it? Who did you get upset about for saying it's still first inning or something? Some Somebody recently, was it Jassy? Uh, who said yeah. we're st- still early days? Everybody with the first inning of, of Cloud. Never, we never leave the first. It's we're the the team from Bugs Bunny that just keeps stepping up to the plate and swinging. Never, never makes an out. Bad spend. That's like Tam stuff like that is just such a waste of time. Look at Paycom. 
for example, you can't be saying you're less than 5% penetrated for forever. And I mean, at some point, people are going to do like really good work on what your addressable market looks like. And I mean, there's bottom ups and top downs that can be done. Uh, I mean, you're also, you know, another area with that is the social media marketing sprout sprinkler, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, it's so. kind of hard to hide it. I mean, I get the reason to, it's just kind of when it's working, it's easy, right? I still think AI is like a major headache for SaaS. Like that's the, you know, once, once the dust settles in all of this, you know, I think you're going to go back to a grind between winners and losers. I mean, the winners have now gotten really expensive, right? Or let's call them the uh, discounted perceived winners. Like everybody back to 25 sales, you know what needs to happen for that to work. Meanwhile, like you know what needs to work, what ne- you know how little needs to work for you to make money buying, you know, Alteryx or DocuSign at like two and a half times revenue. Alteryx is a funny one because that day it crashed below 30. I immediately pitched it to someone. I was like, I was like you know what? Not really something I'm spending much time on recently, but this seems like an obvious they're going to hire someone and try to sell the company right here. And within like, I think three weeks, it shot up on, you know, the rumor to like mm-hmm. 36, 37. Mm-hmm. And then you see a deal happens like a month later, 47. Right. I mean, there's a 60% return in the month and a half. I don't really know what, like, I mean, nobody likes doing those trades then, but. Obviously, a lot of it has to be realized from a transaction, but like, what's what's your downside when you buy it at that level? Yeah, like, and you've seen it with the companies that go bankrupt. Like, you see how quickly that has that that like move from like, you know, this looks really cheap to it's zero. You know, like that also requires hitting the nail on the head for that to unfold. Meanwhile, if you short a stock, you know, at twelve times sales, and they go from growing thirty percent to 21 you're gonna make money yeah and if you buy something at like you know four times revenue like elastic and their cloud growth goes from decelerating for five straight quarters to accelerating you know six seven hundred bips in one quarter <laughs> the multiple is going to expand you you know you saw it goes up 60 percent in three trading sessions yeah which is where it's that balance between you have to act quickly on some of these things because the Alteryx example, I mean, you had a few weeks, but I'm just. Yeah, look, DocuSign was a pain in the ass last quarter. I was like in disbelief about how it traded after the last quarter. Uh, that ended up creating an even better opportunity to make money this quarter. Like sometimes like that's how it works. Right. You, you gotta take the hit on the previous quarter where you're just like, okay, you know, people are starting to pay 20x for this. I can make some money here. And then you don't. And then it gets even more ridiculously cheap. And now you're like, okay, I can actually take a really big position here. And, uh, you know, like, I, I mean, I tweeted, I was like, the South side all slammed them after the quarter, right? Nobody took their price target dropped. Most of them took them down again. And it was also kind of the same thing with Elastic. Most of them, uh, every one of them had their price target below where the stock closed at the end of that day. <laughs> you know, after their upgrades. And I also like made that comment. I was like, watch this thing is going to immediately close above every one of these targets. Like, which just goes to show you, you know, how far behind the curve they are in some of this stuff. And that's really been kind of the setup in this market. But like in Docu's case, you get down there, I'm like, look, 44 to 55 is an amazing risk reward profile. You know, let alone buying some at, you know, 40, 41, 39, you know, when you started buying it uh, recently at 50. It's obviously very different than when I thought it was cheap at 120, you know. But like those positions then, you know, where you're just like trying to kind of feel out where valuations are going, you took teeny little, you know, bite-sized chops at it. And it was like the same thing with Roku. 
which is obviously still below where we started that that was like 120 130 as well that is a name i haven't thought of in a little while roku that was one where i mean it's had a huge run i mean you know andrew's been a big bull and mm. i was really skeptical and it rallied to almost 100 and then like it came right back down to almost a new low into its last earnings and then it got kind of a muted reaction and then it got you know pile on the next day and then it just kept going yeah and you know the stock all goes all the way back over 100 i mean it effectively went from you know 55 to 100 in a couple of weeks yeah that's what it's, it's like on the one hand you have to act you have to act fast to be in the right spot for some of the moves on the other hand there's moves that are, or, you know, it goes back to the old thing of my, you know, I just try to find reason, reasonable valuation. Yeah. And then there's, there's you don't even have to talk, talk about these names too, right? Like I looked at American Express, you know, in late October. And I was like, this, this, this looks cheap, right? Like you were thinking the same thing, but like you're already long it. I mean, Boeing went from 240 to 177 to 260. Mm-hmm. You know, in like, I don't know, uh, call it uh, three months. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, it's just the challenge is that it seems like everybody's, everything's doing that. And so ignore, you know, you could still outperform in different ways, but it's more. Yeah. These guys are like talking about some small cap shitty company and they're like, nice to told you guys i'm up 30 percent. it's like bro you know boeing is up 35 percent. your money losing cash incinerating shitco like the legitimate shitco is, <laughs> is up less like maybe put on some uh glasses and look at the rest of the whole market and as soon as you like get excited about like you know one of your trades, like you find something that like is doing better than you. Yeah, yeah, stuff out there in that sense. But you know, you could have got a trade at a firm, or or Coinbase, uh, or MicroStrategy. Yeah, those wow. people are all back at it. Wow, <laughs> you just trade Bitcoin with all of that, with or a lot of that. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we can probably wrap this one there. Um, should be. It'll be interesting to see what happens in twenty four. Exactly. I mean, it's such an arbitrary mark right on the calendar now. Yeah. With the, with the rally that we've had, you're like, just like, what? Who cares? Well, we it's we forward, started the year. Started the year with a trash rally, and it was a clear January effect sort of thing. And it's like, are, are, like with the run this market has had recently, you. You you probably have to be worried about January. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's almost like, hey, you know, everyone's trying to make all their money for 2024 in the last three weeks of 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't just sell your whole portfolio to end the year, but it is. Uh... I mean, you can. People usually don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... Yeah. You have the talented. One, you have the one, one, once in a time. Once in a time, it's 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 not the worst idea. But again, the the it, it's hard because also it doesn't take 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 that five percent in the money market account till till that comes down to three. Yeah, it doesn't seem quite as crazy as it did, and the economy is in a decent spot. So it it it's yeah, it's it's a tough. It's always like this, like this. There's, it's almost never screamingly obvious. If it was, everything would be a lot easier and everybody would buy, then it wouldn't be easy. So that's what makes it fun balancing all of this. But all right, Arkham, this was a, uh, we will see where let's, we get in 2024. Let's, let's, let's try not to wait till June to do it again. Yeah, well, I think we, we there's some more stuff for us to drill into here, so we'll have to we'll have to that pick sounds, it up soon. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Take care.